Good evening, everybody. It's great to see you. Uh, we're in for a good message tonight, not because I'm preaching it, because it's a good message from the Bible. Um, I want to know how many out there, though, played the recorder when they were in school. Anybody play the recorder? Almost everybody? That's it? Really? Maybe in the West Coast, they don't care about music, but East Coast, everybody played the recorder. What's the difference between the flute and the recorder? Okay, flute's awesome. I need to, I need to understand this. Is Hot Cross Buns and Three Blind Mice the same song? Are you sure? No, I've got a music, a music authority back there shaking his head no. What's the difference? The melody and the words. We've got the words. So basically they're nothing alike and I'm just deceived. They have three notes that are the same. Okay, so I was close. Three notes that are the same. Everybody, at least when I was going to school, had a recorder. And the reason why the recorder is an instrument that they're going to pass to a lot of people, one, because it's cheap to manufacture, the plastic and all that, but because of the accessibility and the ease of a child it is for them to learn on the recorder, that really helps them as they get integrated into the music program. It's pretty easy just to simply blow on the instrument and begin to, to learn what notes sound like, put them together, read music and all that. The accessibility makes it a good teaching tool. We're jumping into a section on, on how the Spirit of God interacts with us as Christians and what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And I think that there is an accessibility there that is available to all Christians, and yet I don't know that if every single Christian understands how accessible this teaching is and how easy it is to help develop them as they grow to be more and more like Jesus Christ. So tonight, I hope to make a concept that might be kind of unclear, a little bit more accessible to us, so that we might grow uh, as Christians to look more like our Savior. Why don't you turn with me to Ephesians 5. We're going to look at verses 15 to 21. Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Where is Adam? Adam, why are you sitting in the back? You usually sit up here in the front. Back, okay, I got you. Oh, no, okay, I didn't mean to do that, okay. Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody uh, to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now we jump into this section, and it's a beautiful section, and it gives us really a contrast right here. It's telling us, kind of like we were there last time, we saw that there are children of light, children of darkness, you're going to choose to walk in one of two paths. And he sums that all up in verses 15 and 16 by saying, hey, be careful how you walk. You could walk as the unwise children of darkness or you could walk as the wise because the days are evil. And the key to doing that is going to be found in verse 18, which says this, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, when you think about that and you see that in the scriptures over and over again, really the Spirit... And alcohol, or getting drunk, are often mentioned in similar contexts. If you think of John, remember John the Baptist? When he was born, uh, his parents were commanded, said, don't let him have any strong drink, because he's going to be filled with the Spirit. 
I mean, if you take a look at John's life, he did a lot of crazy kind of out there things, dressed a little bit rough, was out in the wilderness. God didn't want anyone thinking, hey, that guy's acting that way because he is under the influence of alcohol. He wanted him to know that he's driven by the Spirit. Or you think of Acts 2, right? Day of Pentecost, uh, the Spirit descends on the people, and they're out there speaking in tongues, getting the gospel out in other languages. And uh, what do the people assume is going on? Hey, these uh, disciples of Christ... They're drunk, and it's not even 9 o'clock because they were acting in such a way that it looked like something on the outside was influencing them, and it wasn't their own choice. And then here in our text, we have, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What that shows us is this, that when it comes to being filled with the Spirit, it has to do with influence. It has to do with authority. It has to do with somebody on the outside coming in and affecting you in a way much like alcohol does to a person. But that's really where the comparison stops because alcohol is going to take inhibitions and self-control away from a person where somebody filled by the Spirit is going to have the fruit of the Spirit, which itself is self-control. So we have this in here, and we need to think about that constantly. You, when you are being filled with the Spirit, you are relinquishing control to the Spirit of God at that point in time, letting Him be the one who leads, who guides, who directs your thoughts, decisions, and actions so that it is no longer really you doing it, but it is the Spirit Himself. This word, being filled in the Spirit, it's passive. It's not something that you can do. It's something that's done to you. So it's not that we're ever trying to get more of the Spirit that way because we already have all of the Spirit that we will ever need. It's really not us getting more of the Spirit, but the Spirit getting more of us. Let me see if I can illustrate it to you. I got two family videos here, which I love to show family videos. I'll try not to make them long, uh, but I was going through them today, and one of them is, I think, a wrong picture of what this would look like, and one of them is the correct picture of what it would look like. Let's put the first one up there. This is Miles right there, sitting on a train, okay? There we go. This is in Michigan. Mom and dad, my, grand, my mom and dad, his grandma and grandpa wanted to take him there. Look at him. Notice him. He is on something right now, being very passive, just kind of being directed by it. He's not doing any sort of work. The, the train is moving him. He's on a track, and he's doing really no work at all. The conductor right there making sure my son is enjoying this, and we see Miles coming around again all by himself. Miles, say hi. But having a good time, I would say. All right, stop that one. I don't think that that is what it means to be filled with the Spirit, as this text is saying. It's passive in the sense, and it's being done to you, but when we're talking about being filled with the Spirit, I don't think that we are completely passive in that. Let's play the next one. This is Miles at an airport. Hey, Miles. Look at him go. Pulling the Hi. pants up, making sure he's decent in public, which is always nice. And he's running on a conveyor belt, if you can't tell. He is way far ahead of me. He is using wisely the power of the conveyor belt to propel him forward. Watch him as he makes this Miles, turn. This side. Hey, Miles, this side. He's about three at this time. Turns. No fear. Just run. Nobody the elf moment there. He's gone, right? And look at him, okay? So he's walking and moving. Stops for a moment. Cool, right? Just kind of chills. Watch the guy come behind him. Oh, Miles, you're cool, man. Here we go. Watch out. 
Guy bypasses him, and then Miles begins to follow after him, stop, kind of look, and then he realizes, wait, why am I just standing here, touching the ground, when I can, any moment, get up and sprint. All right, now stop right there. Now think about that second one. Both of those illustrations had my son on a, a track that had very strong power, pushing them in a direction. But in one of them, Miles was passive and just sitting there doing nothing. But the other one, he was moving with the power on top of it at that point in time. That's what I think it's like in the life of a Christian with the Spirit of God. In the, in the second one, on the people mover, on the conveyor belt, there is this, this foreign power that is always going forward, always going in the same direction, always going to take him where he wants to go, and Miles is walking on top with it. I got two verses on here. I think we, we can go to it. Two verses for you to look at. So we have in our text, Ephesians 5, 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That word be filled is passive, okay? That is something acting upon you, much like the conveyor belt was acting underneath my son. It was acting upon him. He wasn't doing anything to make that move. But then we have Galatians 5, 16, and this is an active verb, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So this is what we need to talk about when we're talking about the spirit in the life of the Christian. We can't just be the person who says, hey, I'm going to sit there on the track and just let the spirit of God kind of take me around. I need to be that second one where I realize, hey, I've got this power underneath me always going in the right direction. And when I participate with it, when I go, I can really cover a lot of ground. How many people travel for their job? Anybody travel for their job out there? few people. What is... <laughs> What is the feeling like at the airport when you are leaving your job and you are going back home? Do you want to stay in the airport and take in the scenery and really just kind of drink it in? No, you want to get home as quickly as possible. You get on those people movers and you are no longer just going to stand there and wait for it to get you there. You're running on those people movers as quick as you can to get to your gate, to get home as fast as possible. Well, we as believers, this is not our home. We have a destination to get to. And we want to get there as quickly as possible. We're not taking in the sights now, making sure we spend our time here. We're jumping on that thing, and we're moving along with the spirit who's underneath us. We need to always put these two things together. But now we need to understand, okay, if this is true, that the spirit is going to fill us, and that means he's going to have more control over us, but we also need to walk in the spirit, I think we need to identify number uh, one thing. Let's put it down this way. Number one, let's identify your problem. Why this, you, this makes it sound like Christianity is really that easy, right? Why can't I just fight sin all the time? I'm going to be okay. It's not going to be a struggle for me. What's the big problem? Well, your problem is that we live on this side of glorification, and you have something called the flesh. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And notice the battle that's going on here. We've got to identify the problem. Romans 8, we'll take a look at uh, verse 1 all the way to uh, verse 8, maybe verse 9, probably 10, I don't know. We'll figure out when we get there. 8.1, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And those four verses are very key. We are never saying that we can walk in such a way in order to fulfill the requirement of the law outside of the Spirit of God being in us because of what Jesus has done. This lets us know that Christ had to come and do everything perfect first. And when we put our faith and trust in him, we now then receive the Spirit. So we are not walking by the Spirit to earn our salvation, but because we've been given salvation. That's what these verses are telling us. It was Christ who did it first. And when he got on the people mover, he did everything right. If you notice, Miles, Miles kind of chilled at a certain point in time, right? He's kind of sitting down, getting in people's way. We're like that sometimes when we're just not doing what we should be doing. But Christ always did it perfect. And because of that, we now have the person who filled the righteous requirement of the law on our behalf. We're not going to heaven because we walk so good by the Spirit. But we can walk by the Spirit because of what Christ did. But verse 5 comes in, says that those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, now that becomes a big problem for us because what did we discuss last time and two times ago when Ryan spoke? We got to try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. But if I start to think according to the flesh, which is selfishly or what I can get or what's important to me, then there's no way I'm ever going to end up pleasing God because those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What does it look like to be in the flesh. Flip to Galatians 5.19. Galatians 5.19. This is right after the section that we quoted. We need to walk by the Spirit actively. That's our part doing this. And I'll tell you what that looks like in a moment. But Galatians 5.19 through 21 is going to give you some, uh, some very key points on what it looks like to be in the flesh. Notice this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay? It's not a secret. These are not things hidden from us. We know what it's like to be in the flesh. They're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Okay, you're like, okay, good. Uh, haven't worshipped any witches this week. I'm not into sorcery. I'm not doing all that stuff. No idols in my home. I'm being faithful to my wife. There's no way I'm in the flesh. Well, what about some of these? Uh, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, notice drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I've warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And now it's not just these huge sins of idolatry and adultery, but it's fits of anger, jealousy, rivalries. You know what that feels like. And if that's going on a lot in your life, you don't really know what the problem is because we need to identify those as works of the flesh. And if I say I'm a child of God, but this text says I won't inherit the kingdom of God if I'm doing those things, well, I've got to figure out how to 
Stop doing that. Or do what we learned earlier, walk by the Spirit. Why? Because notice the promise. We will not gratify the desires of the flesh. See, that's why we need to do this. There is this great power that is found in walking in the Spirit where you will not do what the flesh desires you to do. There is great power when you walk by the Holy Spirit. So we've identified the problem. It's in the flesh. We know our different temptations. We've got to fight it. Let's figure out how to do that. I was reading a book recommended to me. Uh, it's called The Checklist Manifesto, and it sounds like the most boringest title in the world, but it's actually a pretty interesting read on the inside. And it was uh, going with this uh, problem that they were finding in hospitals. A lot of central line uh, infections were going on and actually killing patients uh, and they needed to figure out why it was so ubiquitous around the country. In fact, they identified one hospital, sadly, in Detroit from where I'm from, uh, Sinai Grace Hospital in Detroit. And because of the low-income area, uh, they, they were losing a lot of staff members. They didn't have enough money in the hospital to pay staff members. So they had low staff members, but because it was a bad area of town, they would have a lot of people come to the hospital, unfortunately gunshot wounds, things like that, just a lot of people coming in needing a lot of attention. So it got so stressful there that one of the doctors was asked for comment what it was like to work there. He basically said, hey, uh, let's forget all the paperwork. We, just, we need to take care of the patients. They're coming in. It's too much for us to handle. Let's throw out the order, throw out the checklist, throw out the paperwork. We just got to take care of people so they don't die. But they noticed that more than 75% of the rest of the country, this hospital was having a lot of central line infections, which was causing a lot of the patients to die. So what they did is they contacted this man. Uh, his name was Peter uh, Pronovost. And he had done a study that if you simply brought in a tiny checklist, gave it to a nurse, and she watched and made sure the doctor did all of these things, that it would eliminate a lot, if not all, of these central line infections that were killing people. The list was full of like pretty simple things like uh, doctors wash your hands, okay? You would hope that that's the first thing they learn in med school. I've never been to med school, but I hope, number one, doctors just put your hands under there and get, you know, get them washed. Number two, uh, make sure they have uh, sterile uh, pads on the patient, okay? Seems pretty, you know, you should know that. Like, we want sterile environment. We don't want disease in there. Uh, number three, wear a mask, yeah, absolutely. So we don't sneeze onto the open wound and cause infections. We want those types of things. All these things, they're just very simple steps, but because of the chaotic environment, what happened? They forgot the simple stuff. They just tried to go to it, tried to fix it, forgot all the simple steps, and now they're actually infecting the people they're trying to help. You see, in the Christian life, there are so many simple steps that you should take every single day to make sure you're walking in the Spirit. But we don't do that because life gets so chaotic. And we think and justify in our minds, hey, let's throw out the simple checklist and let's just go attack all the problems. And then we're really causing these infections because we're in the flesh trying to cure people in the flesh. And that just is never going to fix the problem. I've told you before, I think of my, my son's love of milkshakes. I mean, what kid doesn't love milkshakes? But my son loves, both my sons love milkshakes. I'm sure Wesley will when he gets there. Uh, Trenton loves chocolate and Miles loves vanilla. 
he think he, I think it's a combination of banana and vanilla, but it's just vanilla. He says vanilla. It's pretty cute. But always, for both of them, to get the last little bit of the milkshake, they do this. They tip it, and the straw is still up there, and all the rest of the milkshake comes to the edge of the glass, and it's blocked by the cover. And every single time, they're trying to figure out why they can't get the end of the milkshake because they're approaching the problem wrong, right? It's never going to happen this way. All the milkshake will come that way, and your straw is pointed that way. Those two things will never go together. Same thing with us. If we come to a problem with sin, and that's in the flesh, and we're in the flesh, we're never going to fix that problem. It's never going to work out for us. But we think in the chaotic environment that that's what we need to do to solve it. He, all I want to do for you here is just provide a simple check, checklist of what it means to walk in the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. And when we do this, test me. Test me on it and see if these fleshly desires don't leave your, your life and allow you to come be more filled with the Spirit. Checklist number one, read your Bible, right? Simple. You should read your Bible every day. A very, very simple thing. Number two, pray. You should pray every single day. And we'll go, we'll prove these in a moment while they were walking in the Spirit. Three, you should serve in the church. And four, you should fellowship with other Christians. Those are four simple things that really should be a part of your daily expression as a Christian. And when you do those four things, when you have that checklist, no matter how chaotic it gets, those simple things that you begin to adopt in your life put you in the frame of mind, in the mindset to be a spirit-filled Christian, pursuing what it means to be like Christ in your marriage, at church, at work, all of those different things. Now, back to Ephesians chapter 5. I want to show this to you. Ephesians 5. Notice what it said. Do not get drunk with wine, verse 18. That's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And when you're filled with the Spirit, notice what it says. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, when we see that, that's the consequence of being filled with the Spirit. If you were with us two years ago, we studied the book of Colossians. And in chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing... Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to God. I think we got a, a slide up here. Take a look at this. Notice the, the similarity of what you're going to do when you are spirit-filled and when you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Both of them lead to singing songs and being thankful. What that tells me is this, that being filled with the spirit and letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, probably the same thing. If I want to be filled with the Spirit, what better way than going to the Spirit-inspired Word of God to let it direct my thoughts, minds, and actions? That's what we talked about, being under the influence of the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit, being directed by the Spirit. I'm going to do that if I read the Bible every day. 2 Peter 2, 20 and 21, right? No prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. But men moved by the Spirit... They, they produce the scriptures. That's what it means to have the Bible. It's the Spirit speaking to us. Remember Hebrews 3, 7? Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, quoting Psalm 95, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You want to know what the Spirit thinks? You want to know what God thinks? 
Go to the Bible and you will have that. Secondly, I said prayer. We're going to get there. Ephesians 6 18 tells you to pray at all times in the Spirit. Now, what that means is I think you're letting the Bible tell you the things you should pray about. And again, that should convict us when we're going to our prayer list and we're looking, are we praying the same types of things that the Bible wants us to pray? If we have that, then there's a good chance that we're praying in the Spirit. But a lot of us begin to pray more circumstantially than we do Spirit-filled prayers, and we can't do that. So let's pray in the Spirit. Three, I said, servant church, you know spiritual gifts are given to you by the Spirit of God. So if you want to walk by the Spirit, use your spiritual gift, and He will be leading, guiding, and directing you. And then fourth, fellowship. Philippians 2.1 says, if there is any fellowship in the Spirit, make my joy complete by being of one mind. When you have that fellowship, that's what accountability, that's what we're going to do next week, just having that camaraderie, that, that community together, that is going to allow you to walk in the Spirit where people can challenge you when you're not living according to the Spirit but according to the flesh. Or you can encourage someone to do that. We need that in our lives. We need that checklist. So this is number two on your outline. Let's just stick with simplicity. Why do we try to make the Christian life harder than it really is? It's, it's, it's simple. There's really a profound nature to the simplicity that when we do these things, we are letting the Spirit guide us rather than our desires. So guys, let's just stick with the simplicity of it. Now, I'm here to tell you that I gave you four things, and you know what? Somebody without the Spirit of God can do all four of those actions mechanically. So meaning you could be here, and you could not have the Spirit in you, but you could, you could do those four things, and you might be able to kind of look like you are, you know, growing as a Christian and doing that. Much like if you, you remember that people mover? If you ever have sat down at an airport, and you're watching people go by the, the people mover, Somebody walking behind the people mover and somebody on the people mover, if you're sitting from this angle, they kind of both look like they're on the people mover. So for a little while, they might begin to look like it. But one is going to continue growing and one is going to definitely fall behind over a period of time. You can fake it for a little while, it's going to look the same, but at a certain point in time, one is going to continue and one is going to go off. How do you know when it's genuine? How do you know when you've done these four things that you have genuinely been filled with the Spirit and are walking in the Spirit? Take a look at verse uh, 20. Do you give thanks always and in everything? See, an attitude of thankfulness even when the situations are at their worst. And I know some of you in here have gone through some extremely difficult times. Do you find it weird that in like the hardest trying times, you can still say thanks? Thank you to God for what he's doing? That's only evidence that the Spirit is leading you. Because if it were fleshly and it were up to us and it were based on our desires and we weren't getting what we wanted, we would not give thanks. But when you give thanks no matter what, always and for everything, then you know really those actions are leading from a genuine relationship with the Spirit. What about the next one? Submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. If you really find yourself like you see a move come out and you think, you know what, on Saturday I'd, I'd really like to just kind of sleep in. It's been a difficult week. But just I, I really sense that I should go help these people. They need my help. I want to I submit myself to this person because they have a need and I want to I make myself less. I want to submit to them. I want to make myself nothing and I want to go help them. Why would anybody 
in the flesh do that. They wouldn't do that. But because you fear Christ and you know what he's done for you, you submit yourself out of reverence to other people. See, you really become a, a background player. It's not about you. It's about being there for other people and making other people look good. That only happens when the Spirit is there. I was watching a, a documentary. This is how exciting my life is. On the grass that they're going to put on the Super Bowl field. Okay? It's exciting to me. The grass that they're going to put on the Super Bowl field. Uh, it takes a year and a half to grow at another site. And then after that year and a half, they roll it all up and they ship it on out. And when it's played this Sunday for the Super Bowl, that'll be the first time anybody steps on that grass. And I was listening to the documentary and the way that they put it was, was kind of interesting to me. It said this, the field is important to football the way a microphone is important to Adele. You don't notice it if it works, but it can ruin everything if it doesn't. See, that's really uh, what a Christian should be aiming for. You really shouldn't notice a Christian if they're doing everything they should. Right? You sh they shouldn't like, stand out and be demanding attention and everybody looking at them. When I'm really submitting myself to the Spirit, I'm submitting to other people out of reverence for Christ. It's really not about me. It's about them. But you know when you notice people, it's when they're walking in the flesh and they're not doing what they should be doing. They're boisterous, they're loud, they're demanding attention. It's the opposite. We, by the Spirit of God, should aim to be the, you know, the grass of the Super Bowl. Nobody should notice us. We're doing what we should be doing, and everybody's benefiting from it, and that's what we're concerned about. We're not concerned about ourselves. This is what the Spirit of God will do. It will diminish your desire to promote yourself, and you will want to promote Christ and others. And when you do that, you will know that the Spirit is genuine in your life. This sets us up to learn what this means to live it out in your family, which we will talk about next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this look at your word, the power of the Spirit of God. And uh, I thank you, Father, that it is attainable for us. It's not something so mystical that we can't understand it. It's clearly laid out in your word. God, keep us with this simple plan to just walk as you would want us to in the spirit so we might not gratify the desires of the flesh and help us to think about the two greatest commandments, loving you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbors as ourselves, and really forget about ourselves. And as we do that, Father, we will be fulfilling what the spirit wants to do, which is to make us more like Christ. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.